This is a free download from Delancey Healing Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Healing Church building at the Banks and Sampson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyhealing.co.uk. Okay, uh, I want to talk this morning about the power of the cross. Can you hear me, my aunt? No? Not yet, I will. It should be on. Yeah. Hear me yet? No? Fun? Right, hear me now? Yeah, okay. That's cool. I want to talk this morning. I, I mentioned it last week, and I just want to follow on from last week. But I want to talk about the power of the cross. How powerful and how awesome the cross is. And that's why I've got a little bit of that before us, and we're going to do a few things connected with the cross a bit later on. But. If you realise that it was the power of a logo, I thought the power of a logo. You know, companies pay millions and millions of pounds to get a good logo. That is so important for advertising. They have a really, really good logo because they want you to get connected to their product, and the way that you get connected to their product is for them to create a really good logo. So, just a few logos. Here's the first one. See if you recognise it. The first one. Oh, that's on Adidas. That's the now that's a logo that if you wear an Adidas shirt, I kind of sense that yeah, oh, you know, I'm a sportsman. If I can wear that shirt, then I'll be able to, you know, be this amazing sportsman. And people, you could have just a plain white shirt, and it may be two pounds. But if you see something with Adidas on, you're willing to pay thirty, forty, fifty pounds just simply because it's got a little mark with Adidas on. And this sense, if I can wear that, it's going to empower me to be the sportsman that I've always, or I know I've always meant to be, okay? Here's the second one. Now, the second one's very dear to my heart, this second one. <laughs> I feel already I'm going through withdrawal symptoms just by, I only feel that, withdrawal symptoms when you go through that. McDonald's. I remember McDonald's. You know, that, that's the sign of the Happy Meal. The Big Mac, or it's no longer big anymore, but it was the Big Mac. You know, it's that sense, every time we see that, that sign, we think of wonderful artery-clogging food that you get quick, fast, you drive through, and all that kind of stuff. There's a third one. Mercedes. Sense of status, you know what I mean? People have that, that Mercedes, and it kind of gives often a sense of status. So all these kind of, if you like, all these kind of Logos have incredible sense of power because people want to be associated with what that logo stands for. This is really what I'm aiming for. You think about it. what is the, if you like, the logo that's associated with Christianity. You think about it. All there is are two strips of wood that actually are put together. And, that, and, and really, that's, if you like, the sign of the Christian faith, is a cross. And I know that often we, we, we see a cross and it looks so smooth and so wonderful, but actually, the cross actually is a sign of execution. It's almost like, in modern day terms, walking around with like a gallows around your neck, really. Because a cross really is a sign of execution. And I want to talk this morning about the power of the cross. 
And to understand how awesomely powerful the cross is. I want to first of all talk a little bit about the history of the cross, what Jesus went through on the cross, and I want to talk about the power of it. As you think about the history of the cross, do you know he took four soldiers and one centurion to crucify people on the cross? For the Romans, they used crucifixion for two things. First thing is that they wanted to maximise the pain and maximise how long the pain would last. The second reason why they had the cross was because they realised it was the it was the sight it would actually humiliate someone to unbearable lengths. So number one, they used it as a means to humiliate someone, and secondly, to maximise the length of pain and suffering someone would go through. And what they would do, they would actually make the person who has been crucified to, to carry the beam on their shoulders and they'd make a route and they'd always use the ro- longest route because the longest route would mean more people saw it. Because the Romans wanted to make it so cruel and so horrific it would put anybody else off from rebelling against them. The cross, if you like, crucifixion was so horrific, no Roman citizen would ever be crucified. If you're a Roman citizen, you would never be crucified because it was the most horrific form of death they'd ever created. And we're going to talk about that as we go on, but really it was death by suffocation. They would lash you usually 29 times. And after they'd lashed you 29 times, they then would make you carry your own beam. The reason why they did that was because they wanted that person to, to be a, a show of how powerful and how much control they had over someone. So we see this horrendous form of painful humiliation. It would be a slow suffering. They would smash nails through your hands and through your feet. So you would just lift yourself up and as you lift yourself up, you pull down the, the pain through your feet and through your hands would be so excruciating. Whether you stop still, whether you lift yourself up to breathe, it'd still be excruciating. Sometimes people could be on the cross for days. And they would be crucified, not as we've seen, I think I said last week, with a with a picture of a, of a loincloth, they would be crucified naked because they wanted the humiliation of it. And the cross actually, we often get this idea, is about 20 feet in the air. But actually, usually it was about between six inches and a foot off the ground. And the reason why they did that is so you could spit on them and humiliate them and, and scream at them and mock them while they're on the cross. So this was the, if you like, the, the design of the cross was for humiliation, pain, and to, make, and to make that pain as excruciating as it could, and so it would last as long as it could. Slow, agonizing death by suffocation. But for Jesus, it wasn't just the, the physical pain, it was also the spiritual pain. The Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin for us. He who had never experienced guilt, never had a moment of shame, never knew the pain of regret. You think this morning of the darkest thing that you've ever done. Maybe nobody else knows about it, but you think of the darkest thing you've ever done in your life. 
You think that every single person on the face of this earth, every dark, every evil, every wicked thing they've ever done was all placed on Jesus just in one moment of time. That's why Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For the first time ever in his life, Jesus experienced loneliness. He experienced the, 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 the fact of being separated from his Father. He'd always known perfect union with his Father. And now, he had all the evil, all the wickedness, all the suffering, all the pain of the whole world placed upon him in one moment and even God himself had to turn his back on him. He never knew what it was to experience separation from God. And that would mean completely and utterly forsaking You know, you think about it, even somebody who's a million miles away from God still can have some connection with God, still there. But imagine what it feels like to be totally and utterly forsaken of God. And right there in that moment of time, Jesus experienced total forsakenness. He was totally forsaken by God. So he had the physical suffering as well as the horrendous sense of being forsaken by even his father. And he experienced all that so that we would never have to experience it. Isn't that wonderful? He went through it so that we could have union, connection, relationship with God. We turn me to Leviticus chapter 6. So this is what I want us to really think about this morning. What the cross represents and the power of the cross. He experienced the suffering in a way you and I would never know so that we can experience the forgiveness and healing that we can never earn. Leviticus 16, and I just want to read just one verse from there. Leviticus 16, verse 14. He is talking about the priest and what the priest did. He says, He shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the mercy seat of the east side and before the mercy seat. He shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. And if you want to go to Isaiah 53... Verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. Now, whenever you see the number 7 in the Bible, it speaks of completeness. Seven days make what a complete week. That's why numbers in the Bible have incredible significance. And the number seven always speaks of completeness. So the reason why the priest, if you like, sprinkled the mercy seat seven times was to speak of the completeness of what the blood did. And really it's just an amazing picture of the cross. Do you know, we're going to look at this in a moment, that Jesus had his blood shed seven times. Seven times. 
Seven times he was, if you like, wounded. Seven times his blood was shed. Seven times on the cross. And I believe each one of those times has incredible significance for our lives. Amen? Now, they took the blood and they had to apply the blood. And so, as we're talking about what what Jesus did on the cross, we're going to look how we can actually put that into our lives, how we can experience it, how we can apply it to our lives, what the cross did and what the blood did. Seven times and seven ways Jesus shed his blood. There's the first one. His hands. When they crucified people, the, the nails that, if you like, held Jesus on the cross were actually not through his palm of his hand. The nails always went through right there, just your wrist right there. Because there's a bone there that the, the nails can go through. But right there is a, a, is a major nerve that goes to that part of your hand because it goes from, from the, your wrist, if you like, and goes up to your, to your elbow. How many have ever banged your elbow? Called it a funny bone. How many have had that? Yeah? Isn't that horrible? That's the same nerve that goes through the arm, up to the elbow, and it goes right to the heart. So when those spikes were smashed through the hands of Jesus, it would have been like an electric shock, absolutely paralyzing your body right there. The pain would have been absolutely horrendous because it would have hit the most sensitive nerve in your body. It would be like lightning hitting your body when that nails went through. And so they nailed his hands on the cross. What does that represent? I was thinking about that represents the things that our hands have done. Things we've done with our hands that we know that we shouldn't have done. Things that we've done with our hands. Things that we feel ashamed of. Things that we, things that we feel guilty over. Things that we feel regret over. Things that our hands have touched that have defiled us. I think also hands speak of the times when we've done things and we, maybe it wasn't so much sinfulness, but, but we, we, we failed in what we did. We put our hands to something that brought great failure to our lives. And from that time on, we've carried an incredible sense of failure. I failed and I can't seem to rise above my failure. It's paralyzed me. It's affected me. It's held me back, this sense of failure. And I love to think that when I come to the cross, I think that Jesus took all my failure, all the things I've done with my hands. Because remember this, what you do with your hands often is what's in your heart. Your, your hands are a manifestation of what really goes into your heart. You do things with your hands because of what's in your heart to do. And so all those things that we've done that we wish we'd never done, All that sense of failure we carry in our lives. When Jesus had his hands nailed on the cross, he carried all your failure. And here's what I love to think. Because his hands were nailed on the cross, where our hands have represented our failure, now our hands can represent blessing. Because the Bible says you can bless with your hands. You can lay hands on the sick and they recover. Your hands become a a source of blessing rather than a source of failure. How many glad for the hands of Jesus? The next thing they took was his feet. That's the second sign of of where his blood was shed. 
Again, in your feet, there are incredible nerves in your feet. And so when those spikes were smashed through his feet, again, incredible pain would have flowed through his legs, the pain. Because remember that when you lifted yourself from the cross, you would lift yourself up and, and the nails would rub against those nerves as you were pushing yourself up with the nails. If you've ever, ever, you just think yourself, you just stand there for a few minutes and suddenly you've got to get your breath. And so he'd have to lift himself up to get his breath. And every time he did it, the pain would have been excruciating. And I was thinking our feet speak of decisions. They think of the directions that we take in life. You think about, oh, the whole direction of your life is in your shoes. Because it speaks of the direction and the choices you make in life. How many of us right now look back on life and, and we think of choices that we made that we wish we'd never made? How many people carry a deep sense of regret in their hearts? Of the decisions they made, I wish I'd never said that, I, ne- I wish I'd never done that, I wish I'd never gone in that direction, I wish I'd never made that decision. And you live with a deep sense of regret because of the decisions, because of, of the direction that you took in your life. Sometimes where we are often is a result of all the choices that we make. How many are glad this morning that Jesus died on the cross to say you don't have to carry that regret anymore. You don't have to carry around all that sense of bad choices and that sense of mistakes. To, to, just to carry all that sense of, of the mistakes that often you make in life. And you can come afresh to that cross and say, Lord, I commit my life afresh to you. Because you think about it. If we're honest with ourselves, probably the decisions that we made that we know in our hearts were wrong, often we made. Because number one, we either didn't commit it to God, we didn't trust God, we trusted in our own reasoning, we trusted in our own understanding. But you can come afresh to the cross. Say, Lord, I loose myself of all the past mistakes and the past decisions. I loose myself of the wrong decisions. And and I lose myself of regret because I thank you that your feet were nailed on the cross for all the bad choices and for all the bad mistakes I make. Can you say amen? I wonder how many people carry a weight of just incredible sense of regret. But you can come to that cross this morning and know every sense of regret can be removed. Can you say amen? The third point of, of where his blood was shed was his back. He's back. The Bible says that they took him to a post and there they, they tied him to a post. One thing about a post, that, that when they put Jesus on that post, they lifted his hands up and, and they used what they call, there were leather straps and then those leather straps were attached. Bits of bone and bits of metal. So when that whip tore into his back, Almost you'd be able to see his muscles would have been so exposed because his back would have been literally ripped to pieces. A lot of people died just during the, the whipping itself. The Bible describes it in, I think, Psalm 22. It says, my back is like a ploughed up field. His back was totally tore to pieces. The Bible says something amazing. That by his stripes we are healed. And I think that healing talks about every dimension of healing, whether it be physical, whether it be emotional, 
whatever that healing, whatever that aspect of healing you need, that by his stripes you are healed. I heard an amazing story about a man. He had leukemia. And God healed him of his leukemia. Miraculously healed him of leukemia. And during the time he was healed and he was receiving his healing, he had a vision. He had a picture. A vision of Jesus. And on that vision, first of all, he saw the back of Jesus. Saw the stripes. Saw his back being torn to pieces. And in each stripe, he saw all various sicknesses. He saw cancer. He saw heart disease. He saw all various diseases right there on the back of Jesus. Then the Lord said to him, look at my head where the crown of thorns were smashed. And he says, that speaks, he says, that is where my blood can heal mental illness. He then said, look at my feet. And when he looked at his feet, the Lord said to him, that means, that shows you how I can heal paralysis. He then showed him his hands. And said, that's how I heal contagious diseases, things that come, that are passed on, if you like. And so, as he looked at all the wounds of Jesus, he saw the totality of Jesus' healing power. Amen. I just think there's something we need to more and more grasp. The healing power of Jesus. He's both baptizer, he is saviour, he is coming king, and he is healer. Amen. That's why Isaiah could look, and that's why it says in Matthew 8, that when Jesus healed, he said his base, it's, a, it, it's prophetically declaring, as Isaiah the prophet said, by his stripes we are healed. I wonder how we hand it right now. How many of us have received a healing touch from the Lord at some point? Yeah. So you think that so many people have received healing touches of Jesus because his power to heal is still the same because he was wounded that we might be healed. Can you say amen? The next thing we are told, and I mentioned it on Good Friday, was his head. Look at Matthew 27. I just want you to see the totality and the power of the cross. Matthew 27. Verse 29. When they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head. A reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. I talked about this on Friday, on Good Friday, how the, they put those thorns and they smashed it upon the head of Jesus and we looked at what those thorns mean. And I want to bring one addition to that, if you like. So I was thinking often, the head is the crown. That's the head. And I was thinking often that whenever we place something before God in our lives, the Bible calls it an idol. And I think that picture of the crown is a picture of the times that we have placed other things before God. Other things that have captured our affections. Other things that have captured our heart. Other things that we've put before God. And Jesus died for those things that we put before him. He died for for those things that, that my life is not rightly aligned to. You know the truth is sometimes we can live with blind spots. Things in our life that 
that we never really fully deal with or fully confront, but those things are ruining us and affecting us and damaging our walk with God. And we leave them there year after year, day after day. We never deal with them, we never confront them. They are blind spots. They'll hold us back and limit us. But when I come to the cross, I'm so grateful this morning that Jesus can again take that rightful place in my life. I just come to him and say, Lord, I'm just sorry for those things I put before you. Those things I've substituted before you. And I come to the cross and I invite you to come and reign afresh and anew in my life. Can you say amen? All kinds of things that can so easily get into our hearts. People can carry resentments, people can carry unforgiveness, people can carry all kinds of stuff in their lives that's just limiting them and holding their life back. But when I come to the cross afresh and anew, I can, st- I can receive again his authority and his rulership in my life. Can you say amen? Next one is the side. John 19, verse 34. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water came out. Out of his side. The Bible says that out of your... It was out of his heart, if you like. They pierced his side, blood and water flowed out of his side from his heart. It was a ruptured heart, basically, as the water and the blood flow out. And The Bible says that out of the heart flows the issues of life. I'm talking about times in our life where we have willfully made decisions and done things that we know is not right before God. We've willfully done it. Wasn't that being ignorance? We willfully chose to do something from our hearts that we knew wasn't right before God. And the blood of Jesus, if you like, was shed just to give us that right heart. Just to give us that right heart with God. And I was thinking that sometimes that unless we deal with those willful things that we've done in our lives, I think so many, I felt this so much over the last weekend really, so many people carry an incredible weight of condemnation. They see the willful things they've done and they carry the weight of condemnation in their hearts. Unless you deal with condemnation, the enemy will tear you to pieces. That condemnation. I love what the Bible says. It says, if our hearts condemn us, God is bigger. If your heart knows that you did something you know you shouldn't have done, then God is bigger. If you failed, God is bigger. If you feel condemned, know that the blood of Jesus is bigger. Why are people living with heaviness? Why do they never feel good enough? Why are they allowing their lives to live under the power of accusation? Because they've never realised in the depth of their heart the power of the cross is greater 
than the accusation and the condemnation of their hearts. God is greater. You may have a list right now as big as your arm. I'm glad that the blood of Jesus is bigger. In fact, the Bible says that when he, when he was nailed to the cross, God took a list of all the, all the accusations, all the lists that's against us, and he nailed it to the cross. And it no long, once you confess it, it no longer exists as far as God is concerned. Amen? Totally removed. It's as if it's never been when the blood of Jesus is applied to it. Here's the next one. What about the brow? This was before the cross. Luke 22, verse 44. Blood came from the brow of his head. Luke 22, verse 44. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. You think about this. Jesus prayed so intently, so strongly, so fervently, he was so purposing to do what God wanted him to do. He so refused to draw back, blood started to flow out of his skin. He began to drop down. His determination to overcome fear, anxieties, dread. He was so determined to overcome it. He was so focused on doing the will of God. And so intense was that. So intense was the pressure. So intense was, was, was those things that were trying to drive him back from that. The Bible says he sweated drops of blood. And I'm just glad to say today, his blood was shed. Where we have fear, where we have distress, where we have dread, where we have anxiety, his blood was shed so we could have power over it. How many people carry deep-rooted fears in their hearts? How many people carry dread Anxiety, can't sleep at night because they're so anxious. So overwhelmed by circumstances. The worries, the anxiety bombard their minds. The heaviness of it, the weight of it just flows upon their heads. I tell you this morning, the blood of Jesus so flows through the pores of his brow. He soaks up the anxiety, the worries, the fears, he overcome it. And if we would just say, Lord, I just come to the cross right now. I give you my anxieties. I give you my worries. I give you my fears. I give you those situations I cannot control. But I believe the cross can deal with it. The Bible says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. The blood of Jesus breaks fear, sorrow, anxiety, so we no longer have to carry it. Can you say amen? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that awesome? What is the, almost, what is the, one of the biggest killers in our world today? You know what it is? Worry, anxiety and stress. Because stress, you and I weren't created for stress. We were created for peace. 
We were created for joy. We were created for strength, stability. And that only happens when we realise, Lord, I don't have to carry it anymore. I'm just giving it to you. I refuse to allow worry. I refuse to allow fear. I refuse to neglect stress any longer. Rule over me. So I'm coming to the cross. And believe you have power over it. Because you sweated blood from your, from your, very, bre- from your very brow. Here's the, I suppose the last one. Who thought the last one? And it's bruising. Let me turn to Isaiah 53, verse 5. The Bible says he was bruised for our iniquities. Isaiah 53, verse 5. He was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. Now the word transgression means when you miss the mark. When you go beyond something, it's a transgression, you've transgressed, you've gone beyond the mark, you've stepped beyond the boundaries. The Bible says, we've all fallen what? Short. We've all transgressed, we've all missed the mark. So I want to get a connection to this. That's a transgression. What is a iniquity? What's iniquity? I thought what an iniquity is. The Bible says he was bruised for our iniquity. You know what a bruise is? It's, 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 it, they are burst blood vessels under the skin. Ever had a bruise? I mean, that's painful. How many found it's more painful than the cut itself? Is that right, when you bruise something? Under the skin. There's blood there, but it's under the skin. It's a bruising. You can't see it, but it's there. It exists. The pain's there. You've got a bruise on it. It's under the skin. It can't be seen. It can't be Recognize the blood can't be seen and recognized, but it's still under the skin. You know what iniquity is? Iniquity is something you can't see. It's a leaning towards something. A leaning towards something that, that causes people to lean towards it. They don't know why they lean towards it. The Bible speaks about the, the, the mystery of iniquity. It causes people to learn to lean towards a certain thing. Let me give you an example. You see something in your parents. And the amazing thing is you hate what you see in your parents. You despise it, really. But there's something in you that causes you to kind of lean towards it. It's the mystery of iniquity. I'll give you probably a personal example. My dad, was, he was a great warrior. My dad would worry over everything. He would, I'll tell you, I've often said that he would actually... Them, my mom actually was the same, and I always remember almost this thing. They would say, "John, make sure you've got clean underpants on, just in case you get knocked over." You know, that is that sort of thing, that kind of incredible worry, fear environment. Everything was worry, everything was fear, everything was anxious. You know, if I'd be climbing up some frame somewhere, mom, would go, "Oh, don't climb that! High. Oh, don't do this! Don't go that high!" And that fear was there all the time. That worry, that fear. I grew up with that environment of worry, of fear. You know, and he's there all the time. And I kind of noticed that as I kind of, and I, I kind of really didn't like that. I used to really get irritated by it. I mean, when your parents did things and it irritated you when they did it, you, you got irritated by it. And I used to get irritated when he used to say that to me. He used to irritate me big time. And so I, it's something I really didn't like, something almost I did kind of despise, really. But you know, the weird thing was, 
as the years went by, I suddenly found myself worrying about things. I just felt like I'm leaning towards it. I, I, I didn't want to, but it was almost I felt a leaning towards it. And I remember Amy once, because she was a crazy young child, and she would do crazy things. She would just climb things, do everything. And I always felt that fear rise up in me all the time, that fear. And I couldn't explain why I even felt that way. In my head, I'm thinking, I shouldn't think that way. It was almost a leaning towards it that I found hard to overcome. How many people can recognise sometimes people whose parents have been maybe alcoholics? And they say, I'm never going to go like that in my life. But suddenly, there's a, a leaning towards it. The very thing they hate, the very thing they despise, they see themselves leaning towards something. It's a mystery. It's something you can't see. But there's the wonderful news. The power of the blood of Jesus. He was bruised for my iniquities. Those aspects of, of generations. Because Emily realised, you look today and you can see things in generations. One generation going the same way as the generation before, as the generation before, as the generation before. There's a moving towards it. An iniquity that drives people into something deep in their hearts they don't want to do. But it's a force, it's, it's a work there. And it can only be overcome by the power of the blood of Jesus. Can you say amen? He was bruised for my iniquities. I don't have to live under the power of the iniquity of my parents or, or of my generation. I don't have to live under the power of it because the blood of Jesus has broken it. And so this morning, if you're aware of something like that, it might not be a fear or worry for you, it could be all kinds of things. But the very thing that you, you don't want to lean towards, you feel yourself going towards it. And you just come before that cross. And you say, Lord Jesus, thank you. For the power of your iniquity is broken. I don't have to live under that power anymore. Whatever that generational thing was, whatever that generational work or curse was that's working against me has been broken by the power of the blood. You know, it can be sicknesses. How many realise that? It could be certain conditions of thinking. It could be certain habits. It could be emotional stuff. But I'm glad to tell you this morning of the power of the cross. He was bruised for my iniquities. Isn't that wonderful? You know, we, we've many times have pleaded the blood of Jesus over our children and they're, they're totally opposite. They've got no, that kind of stuff no more because often I think as we plead the blood and we declare over our children, the work of iniquity is broken by pleading the blood. Can you say amen? So how many are grateful for the power of the cross this morning? How many are grateful for what that work does? The power of the cross that breaks everything. Because this is the reality of what Jesus did at the cross. And we can be free from all those things I mentioned this morning by applying the power of the blood and the work of the cross in my life. Don't you bow your heads for a few moments. Just think of some of these things right now. I could do. I just want to just bow your heads for a few moments. And just think of those things this morning. And when I touch on something, I want you to somehow just 
see the power of the cross right now. What we're going to do, remember I said they took the, the blood and they applied it. And we're going to apply the work and the blood of the cross to certain aspects and dimensions of our life. We're just going to apply it right now to certain aspects of our life. Believing. The important thing is that you believe what the cross can do. You believe its power. You believe the work of it right now. Let me just think first thing. Think of the hands. And right now, I want you to apply where you may be right now have a sense of failure. Just an overwhelming sense of failure in your life. And you've been paralysed by that failure. Hold you back from attempting anything else because you're afraid to fail. Hold you back from doing other things in life because you don't want to fail again. You don't do what you, you know what you, what you could do because you're paralysed by the fear of failing again. It could be in relationships. You don't want to allow anyone to get close to you because of a failure in that area. Just something that's gripped you and you've caused you to fail. And you're coming to the cross now and say, Lord, I bring my failures before you right now. Forgive me. I bring my failures to the cross. And see his hands. And now the work of your hands can be blessed. You can attempt things for God. You can attempt things in life. Because the failure has been lifted. Second thing is the feet. Maybe you're here this morning and you're aware of mistakes, choices you've made. Say, Lord, I bring my bad choices. I bring my mistakes to you right now. Third thing is the back. And I want you to do for the back. If you need healing this morning, we want to pray for you. We'd love to pray for you this morning. So, But just see that On his back, he carried all the sicknesses, all the diseases of the world on his back. And by his stripes, we are healed. His head. Maybe this morning you're aware of the things that Jesus has not really had lordship over your life. He's not the head and the rule of your life. But maybe this morning you say, Lord, I just come this morning and I make you head. I make you Lord over my life today. The side. We say, Lord, today, cleanse my heart from those willful things I've done. Cleanse me by your blood right now. The brow. Bring to him all your anxieties. Maybe things that you're even, there's a dread there about something. A fear an anxiety, a worry. Bring it to the cross. The iniquity. Surely he was bruised for our iniquities. Those things that we would lean towards right now. And I want to particularly pray for that in these moments. If that's you right now, and you're aware of something, some leaning, 
And you're saying, Lord, I, I want that broken right now in Jesus' name over my life. I feel a leaning towards something that it could be all kinds of things today, but you're just aware of that right now. I just want you to very simply stand where you are in that respect. I chew just any air in that way right now. And leaning towards something that you feel, Lord, I don't want to kind of go that way. And yet I kind of feel the power of it pushing me. Taking me in a way, a place I just don't want to go to. The mystery of iniquity. He was bruised for my iniquities. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk.